a Chinese proverb which says, may you live in interesting times. Now, I've been told that that is actually not intended as a blessing, but as a curse. <laughs> Certainly, we've lived through a lot of interesting times in the last couple of years, haven't we? With the worldwide pandemic, all the challenges that that has brought. Today, our nation remembers September 11th and the tragedy that happened on that day. I know people who uh, were in buildings downtown, and you may as well, when those events happened. And we see over in Europe there is a war in Ukraine, and I was been saying over these last few months, it's almost like the Cold War has been reinvented uh, overnight. We have a missionary that had been in Russia for many years, in fact, married to a Russian for 25 years, still married to her, but for 25 years lived in St. Petersburg that we had to bring back to the U.S. because he did not renew his status. And so the world differently has, has changed in many different ways over these last couple of years and even the last few months. And in fact, for those of us who grew up in the time of the Cold War, uh, we were very scared of dying in a nuclear war. In fact, 1983 was a very significant year. It was a year in which the movie War Games came out. Some of you may remember this with Matthew Broderick. And it was a movie about a computer program that took over the task of the nuclear code launch codes. And in this movie, when the computer took it over, it almost launched a full-scale attack against the Soviet Union, which, of course, would have wiped out the entire world. Uh, many of us grew up with movies like The Day After, which were about a post-apocalyptic aftermath and living through that. And, and I remember my, my father saying, you know what, it's actually good that we, we lived in Dallas at that time. We're close to a major city. We would just be wiped out. That actually would be better than living through the aftermath. Some of you may remember these, these movies in this time. Well, 1983 was significant, not just because of the movie War Games, but because of something that was else that was happening in that time. Actually, a real war game scenario took place in Russia. And a name you may very well not have heard of, his name is Stanislav Petrov, and he was a Russian duty officer for the Soviet Union who served in their nuclear missile early warning detection system. So his job was to monitor uh, various nuclear sites and to alert the authorities there if they saw an incoming nuclear warhead. Well, he was on duty uh, one day when this alarm system went off and it indicated that the U.S. had launched a nuclear missile towards Russia, towards the Soviet Union. And it showed that first one missile and then two and then five nuclear warheads were headed to the Soviet Union from the U.S. Now, the protocol at that time demanded that there be an immediate full-scale retaliatory strike, <laughs> which everyone knows from the movie War Games, no one can win. It's like playing tic-tac-toe. The cat always wins. The only way to not win this game is to not play the game. So Stanislav made a very brave decision. Not knowing whether this launch had really happened, he decided not to play. Not only was he reluctant to launch 
a nuclear war, <laughs> you notice some strange aberrations in this scenario, such as the fact that the satellite system that, that he was also monitoring had never picked up the missiles. And so he let the first missile land without alerting the authorities, waiting to see if, if in fact this was real or was some kind of computer malfunction. And so he was waiting and waiting and waiting, and it showed that the missile had struck, just like in the movie War Games. And I can just imagine people saying, are you still there? And there's silence, and finally they say, yeah, we're all still here. Well, what happened was that it was, as he suspected, a glitch in the system. The U.S. had, of course, not launched a nuclear weapon against the Soviet Union. And because of Stanislav's action, or in this case, his self-restraint, his non-action, he literally saved the world. And you think about this story. You think about what could have happened if he had made a decision. This one man, this lonely uh, operations guy in the Soviet Union, by his action, he literally saved the world from nuclear annihilation. Can you imagine if he had hit the button for full-scale Soviet Union nuclear launch against the U.S.? What would we have done? Of course, we would have launched the same, and the world would have been wiped out and strained and, and, and destroyed. And so this one man was able to have a profound impact and, in fact, save the world. We have been given the charge by Jesus Christ to reach the world for him. And sometimes it seems like a pretty big task, particularly in the midst of all the things that have happened throughout history and, in fact, over the last few years and even the last few months. But one person can make a tremendous difference. And in fact, with the power of God and with Christ being with us, one person, each of us, taking up this mission, taking up Jesus' charge and making it our own, if all of us will do that, there is incredible power and many people can be reached for Jesus Christ. Bless the director of ministry called Next Generation for Christ and we're so thankful for you for your support, your encouragement, your prayers for us. And God has continued to open doors around the world for us to share the gospel here in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, this slide here, which has uh, many of the major countries where we are working in, has just continued to grow the, the number of countries around it. It started with just a, you know, a single row, and then it, we've had to keep growing, and eventually maybe add across the top, and so it's just been amazing how God has opened these doors around the world to share the gospel. One of the tools in our ministry, many of you know, is the story of redemption. That actually started out uh, as uh, a tool that developed to share the gospel just locally, and, and God's opened doors with that. We, we now have a series in 50 different languages, which puts us into contact with a lot of different people groups. But I'm reminded uh, always that this originally was just written to, to share the gospel 
in a local congregation in which I was preaching, we encountered, were encountering people that were coming in who didn't have much of a faith or church background. I was looking for some way to share Christ with them, looked at different materials, seemed like everything was kind of dated or assumed that people already knew the gospel, knew, already knew the biblical story. And so I decided to write this series, and I tried to write it in such a way that maybe someone else at some other time could use it. And we've seen that God has has done much more than that than we ever could have hoped or imagined. So with that in mind, I want to propose to you that saving the world for Jesus Christ starts very simply. It starts with the power of one. The power of one. In fact, if you look at Jesus, he was, of course, one person, right? who came to the world and he started calling people, saying in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, come follow me. He goes and he shows up there at the Sea of Galilee. He begins to call Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and the other disciples, and he gathers the groups around him. So this is one person who has a vision, who has a dream, who has a mission to save the world for God, and he begins to call others to be a part of this. He says, come, let, let me show you how to become fishers of people. You know, one of the ways that you start a movement is by one leader, one person, whether they're a formal leader or informal, one person taking up this charge and saying, okay, I'm going to go and do this, and I'm going to invite someone else to come along with me. In fact, this is how I got started in ministry. I started going first with my family, doing mission trips overseas, and then when I was in college, I had a younger minister that took interest in me for whatever reason, started going down to the jail and uh, doing Bible studies there. And I learned first from him about how to do these studies, so I'm just kind of following along. I'm just there. And uh, then I started taking a little bit of up some of these studies myself, and then I started doing those studies And I found that I loved sharing the gospel and loved sharing Christ with people. But it took someone taking an interest in me and seeing something. I don't know what he saw, but I guess he thought maybe this guy would be a good down at the jail. Uh, And he invited me to come. And that is how I got started in ministry. And Jesus starts by calling people individually, right? It's interesting. He goes and he calls them one by one, right, or two by two. And they become followers of him. Well, John chapter 1 tells us uh, some further, uh, gives us some further information about Jesus as he called his disciples. And so if you can, please open up your Bibles or turn on your iPhones, iPads, Androids, whatever you have. If you still have a Blackberry, I'm so sorry. But uh, John chapter 1, John chapter 1, that's a dumb phone, not a smartphone, all right, John chapter 1, and let's read about how Jesus began to change the world as he began to call his disciples and how that happened. So it says in John chapter 1, down in verse 36, as Jesus walked by, John, and this is talking about John the Baptist, looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. So there you have John the Baptist pointing out, he sees Jesus and he tells others, right? He says, look, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they did what? They followed Jesus. Now, just think about 
and we're going to see anywhere in this chain, what if John had not said anything? Do you think those two would have followed Jesus? I don't know. Certainly not right then, right? It was because John points it out and says, look, let me show you. There is the Lamb of God. So then they started following Jesus. And then it just says that Jesus looked around and saw them following him. He said, what do you want? That's an interesting question, isn't it? I don't know what they said, but exactly. But one of the things they said is, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So what did they want? It looks like they wanted to find out where Jesus was, where he was staying, so they could spend time with him. And what's Jesus say? He says, come and see. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Wow. I, I, whenever I read this passage, I, it always strikes me, it, it makes me imagine, what was, what was it like? Jesus' apartment, you know? Uh, what did he have on the walls? Uh, did he watch Netflix? Did he watch The Chosen? I wonder what he thought about that, you know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, all these little details. I mean, Jesus really lived in, in a place. He, was, he is human, and, and so he was staying at a place. And there's this little detail, and it was 4 o'clock. In the, you know who we think is, is writing this is John. And so there's these little details. You can just imagine that the disciples, they probably remembered all these little details. I mean, if you were literally in Jesus' home or apartment or whatever, wouldn't you remember things like this? Okay, it was, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It was on you know, September you know, 11th or whatever it was. You would remember these details. I can remember in, in high school um, that there was uh, uh, someone at the congregation that we were at who was a former New York Yankee, and he actually was friends with Billy Joel because he was a New York Yankee. And he was going to, Billy Joel was going to be coming in to Oklahoma City for whatever reason, I don't know, but he was going to be coming into Oklahoma City, and he was going to be staying at this guy's home. And this, this guy, this church member, he knew that, that we that I was a huge Billy Joel fan, and so when Billy Joel came in, he in, he was staying at his house and he invited me over and I got to meet Billy Joel. It was amazing. Well, actually, that didn't happen. But uh, what did happen is that he was planning to have him come and stay with him, but for something happened, he didn't come. I never got to meet Billy Joel. But can you imagine if that had happened? <laughs> that would be awesome, right? So. I mean, I can just imagine us playing Piano Man together, and, you know, I mean, I would remember that. I would not forget any detail. Well, here, we see that the disciples, they come and they stay at Jesus' home. This is, this is awesome, right? And it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and he's talking to them, right? And so they had this encounter with Jesus. So what happens after this? They spend the rest of the day with him. Wow, that's amazing. It says that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. So John the Baptist, you know, talks, says, here's the Lamb of God. Two start following him. One of those was Andrew. I've got three girls. We'd had a boy. We talked about naming him Andrew James. So uh, I like that name, Andrew. So Andrew was one of those. And what did Andrew do? After he spends his time with Jesus... He says that he went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So he spends this afternoon with Jesus, hanging out at his place, 
you know, watching Netflix or whatever they're doing. And, uh, and then what happens? He goes and he finds his brother. He says, look, we found him, the Messiah, the Christ. Now, just imagine, you, you're someone who grew up, and they would have grown up, you know, going to Sabbath school, talking about this promised Messiah. Someday the Messiah is going to come. Uh, they lived in a lot of interesting times as well. And, and they said, you know, Messiah is going to come and he's going he's to rule and it's going to be this messianic kingdom. It's going to be incredible. And, and Andrew goes, finds, finds his brother. He says, look, I found him. I found him. And so Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus says to him, now can you imagine Jesus looking intently at you? He says, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. He says, you, your name right now is Simon, which means shifting sand. Sounds kind of shifty, doesn't it, right? But he says, but you're going to be named Peter the Rock. God was going to transform his life, and he has this encounter. So what happens in this? So John the Baptist, he calls, he points out, he says, look, there's a Messiah, there's a Lamb of God, Andrew and some other dude uh, start following Jesus, and then what's Andrew do? He goes and gets his brother, and what happens on the day of Pentecost? Who's preaching? Peter, right? And how many were baptized into Christ on that day? 3,000 people, and then that would soon grow to 5,000, and then a worldwide movement. Now, imagine, again, if John the Baptist had never said anything, would those two have started following Jesus? I don't know. Let's say uh, if, if Andrew, he had this great encounter with Christ, he's spending, he's spending time uh, with Jesus. What if he had never told Peter, never told his brother? I don't know. God's will is somehow going to be worked. But the question is, is he going to work through us? Are we going to be a part of that story? Are we, is he going to use us? Or is he going to use other people because we're not on board, because we're not tuned in or engaged? And, you know, Andrew could have just said, you know, this is a great, great, great encounter I had with Jesus and never shared that with anyone. But, man, if it's, if it's really good, shouldn't we want to share it? Now, if I had actually sat down with Billy Joel and I'd hung out with him the whole afternoon and we'd played Piano Man together and he said, you know what, that's pretty good, good job. You know, Do you think I would have kept that to myself? No, I would be telling everyone, man, I was with Billy Joel and we spent the whole afternoon together. It was fantastic. And if we're spending time with Jesus, shouldn't we want to share that experience with others? You see, one of the reasons why sometimes we don't share our faith is because our own faith and experience with God is sometimes not where it ought to be. But we see that Andrew, he didn't take that experience and just keep it to himself. Instead, he went and shared that experience with others. There's another story very similar to this in John, right after this, the next story. Uh, John chapter 1, it says that in verse uh, 40, that uh, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and he said to him, come follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. So this is still kind of this, you know, same kind of social network that's going on here. So Jesus goes to Galilee, he finds Philip, he calls Philip, says, come follow me. Philip's 
from the same place as Andrew. So Philip went to then go look for Nathanael and told him, We found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So again, he's excited. I see this as being, you know, just amazing. He's viewing this as, look, we've read about this, this Messiah all this time, heard about him growing up. Guess what? We found him. And you can just think Nathaniel's like tracking probably, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, the one. And, and, he's, and he says, and he's from Nazareth. And, and Nathaniel's like, uh, what? <laughs> he says, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, I hesitate to, to, to name states or cities or whatever it may be, but you probably have in mind, in your own mind, a place where you think, probably not much good comes out of there. Maybe it's because it's, uh, you know, uh, politically on a spectrum, or uh, there's not much education there, or, you know, uh, whatever it may be, whatever it is. You just think of that place, and you're like, I'm glad I'm not from there, and probably nothing good's coming out of there. Those people, I remember a commercial growing up, and it was talking about this barbecue that was made in New York City, and one of the guys said, New York City, get a rope, right? Okay, so this is a place that no one's guessing the Messiah is coming out of this place, okay? And what does Philip say? He says, come and see for yourself. And so we see the progression here of Jesus calls Philip. What does Philip do? He talks to Nathaniel. Nathaniel's not quite sure about this, but what does Philip say to him? He says, come and see. Come and see. Now, where did Philip learn to say, come and see? I don't know. But we've seen this other story where Jesus said, what? Come and see, right? So how do you find that one? We see that this is how the gospel spread, right? From one person to another, inviting the next person and the next person, and then God multiplying that out. So how do we find that one? How do we find that one person to share our faith with, to share Christ with? Because a lot of times, even when we do training on like how, to, how to share the gospel, how to use our shares or whatever, and then people are like, but I don't know anyone that's not already a Christian. Well, there's a lot of ways to kind of fix that one. Start joining some things, okay? Uh, and do it with a friend. Uh, go join a club. Uh, go get involved. Start serving. Encounter other people. Uh, it has to be very intentional in order to reach people. Jesus didn't just like stay up in heaven and throw down pamphlets at people, right? He left heaven and came to earth. But practically, how do you find that one? A lot of things we could talk about, but three things that I want to share with you as ways that you can start finding your one to share Christ with. First of all, you can go on a mission trip. You can go on a mission trip. I know that this is a church that has sent people on mission trips, and that is wonderful. In fact, that's how I very first started getting into doing mission. My parents started going overseas in the summers. My, my father actually took a job at a Christian college so that we would have the summers open and be able to go and do mission work in the summer. And guess what? That's what we also started doing with our own kids as well. So, well, one of the places that we uh, first went 
um, about five or six years ago uh, was Croatia. So uh, back in 2017, uh, previous slide, back in 2017, we had gone to about five or six different countries, and when we went there, uh, there we encountered, yes, this is uh, us in Varazhin in Croatia, and uh, there's with my family, you can see my youngest daughter who's here today, she's a little bit older than that now. Uh, me and my wife, we haven't, we haven't aged today since that time, but, uh, but it's funny how that happened. I'm actually getting younger each year. I don't know, something strange is happening, but anyway. So we went on this, on this trip and with our ministry in a ministry called Let's Start Talking, and there we encountered one person in particular, I'll point out, his name is Yura Lazar. Next slide. So Yura is uh, there, a direct, he's a minister at the church there, and he directs a ministry called Croatia for Christ. And now at this time, when we came there, uh, he, this ministry that he was directing, Croatia for Christ, it had been a radio ministry, and it was transitioning to a TV ministry. The problem was that they didn't have any kind of... Uh, any kind of videos to broadcast. In fact, he went to a Christian, a, 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 a TV station, not a Christian station, but just the TV stations there, and he was telling them about how he wanted to, to broadcast this, this Christian programming. And the guy was, that he met actually was pretty open and receptive. He said, okay, well, what do you have? Share it with me. He said, well, actually, I, I, I don't have anything yet. <laughs> and the guy said, okay, well, I guess when you do, Come back, and uh, we'll take a look at it. Well, when we met Yura, actually, he uh, uh, was very welcoming and gracious, and he asked, look, could we take your series, put subtitles on it, and broadcast it? And I'm like, well, sure, if you think that'll work here, because in the U.S., we don't hardly, we hardly watch anything with subtitles, right? Uh, just not something in our culture, but there is very common, and so... Uh, began doing that and began being broadcast across Croatia and people uh, began to call in and receive Bibles. In fact, hundreds of calls each month. Uh, people who, who responded to that, people that we later got to study with and to come to faith in Jesus Christ, which was just fantastic. But you know, it, we connected with one person who enabled us to have a, a much greater impact than we ever could have uh, done on our own. I, I never had planned to have a, a broadcast in Croatia. I mean, who, who even thinks of that? I mean, 10 years ago, I could barely find Croatia on a map. I've been all across Western Europe, but, but this part of former Yugoslavia, I mean, it's just, I hadn't planned on that. And, but it was a door that God opened, and because we went, it allowed us to get in proximity with people who needed to hear the gospel. And this is the power of going on mission. Jesus sends his disciples out, right? Before he gives them the Great Commission, he sends them out two by two. And that provides kind of initial training for them. And when we do that, God will open doors. And so uh, we've seen over this time of COVID, as I point out and shared in the Bible class time, some 14 baptisms during this, this time. Uh, which these are all incredible stories. These people who have been baptized into Christ, we've seen, next slide, old and young uh, and all this. So uh, when we went over to um, uh, Croatia back in 2017, it was, of course, normal times. In 2020, we started going over as a family for an extended time during covid and so this is us going in the fall of 2020 there. You can see the airplane that we're on. It is 
uh, just packed. <laughs> Actually, there are only 20 people that were on board this plane, and it was, it was kind of a spooky, eerie feeling when we were on that plane because there was no one there, uh, and I, it made us wonder, you know, okay, are we doing the right thing going in the middle of this pandemic? But but I actually teach a lot on mission, and there's stories from the early church and about how the early Christians reached people during epidemics and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I've been teaching this. I've been th- talking about it. How can I not go? How can we not go? Because they called us to go. There was an opening. Our kids are all on school online. I'm like, well, you know what? We could do that anywhere. And so Croatia had just happened to be a place that where we had done a lot of work in ministry over those last few years. And so we went, and again, we saw that God opened doors uh, with, with many people coming to faith, these 14 who have been baptized into Christ. Next slide. Yeah, 14 have been baptized into Christ during this time. And they're just incredible stories. Uh, uh, you, you have these older women, Vlasa and Durinka, uh, who came to one of the first camps that we went to, and they're hearing the gospel for the first time. They're just filled with joy. Uh, you have Misho, whom we like to call Croatian Kramer because he's this wild, crazy guy. Uh, he's always doing interesting things, but he has a big heart and buys all these gifts for kids at Christmas, etc. Mario, we like to call him Super Mario uh, because uh, he is such a wonderful guy. He had been a part of a church that had kind of imploded. He'd never, though, obeyed the gospel. We got to sit, sit down and study with him. He was baptized in Christ. Now he and his family, they're like rocks, pillars in the church there. David, this medical doctor who came to faith. Sarah, uh, this girl from Serbia. Damir, who was baptized in Christ our last Sunday that we were there this summer. And then Sarah, Monica, and Jacob. And these incredible stories. And uh, we saw that over this uh, time during the summer that many people came to faith additionally uh, that, that had been journeying over this time period over these last few years. But again, this started with one person. So I'll tell you a story. Back in February of 2020, before the pandemic hit, right? February 2020, if you can remember back in that time, uh, there uh, was uh, a a coffee shop meeting. This is us, uh, me, with a couple of our team members, and actually three of our team members. And Miladin, he is the minister there in Croatia. And he came over, and we're sitting at a a Starbucks in Fairfax and talking about the work of ministry in Croatia. And I said, you know what? We really need to pray for this woman named Navinka because if she is, uh, if she comes to faith in Christ, she's like a mother hen and probably a lot of other people will make that decision as well. And so we prayed for her and asked that God open her heart and that she make that faith decision. We thought she was close. And do you know that not five minutes later, Mladen pulled out his phone he said, I just got a text from Navinka, and she wants to be baptized into Christ. Praise God. I mean, it's almost like God's at work in the world. <laughs> well, do you know that because she was baptized, uh, many others also had the courage to make that decision there. There's another kind of Navinka type, but I would say put it in the, in the teen category, a, a young man named Max. And Max is one who had journeyed through all these studies that had happened over the last two years. He'd been coming to the church, practicing English, going through our series as well. And uh, he is one who's very, very open. And he was baptized into Christ uh, back in April at one of the camps there. And I said, you know what? 
I think Max, he could be the next, he could be like the team Navinka because there are all a lot of other teens that were kind of journeying as well, but he was the first teen from the, the first fruit of all this work in ministry over the last few years. And do you know that uh, there, uh, then uh, right after this, we had 25 teens that came uh, to the next teen event and uh, 23 of those were from the community. And Max making that decision helped others make that decision. In fact, another uh, person who was baptized into Christ this summer was a young woman named Sarah, who is now part of the youth group. Max's mother, Monica, who became uh, a follower of Christ and was baptized into Christ. And uh, one of the young workers there as well also was baptized into Christ. And so we see that by, by going on mission, by going into proximity with people who are open with praying about that, that God can and will open many doors to share Christ with others. And we've seen that expand out with Ukrainians as well. And so in Croatia, there are a number of Ukrainians that have come, and there the church has done a great job of welcoming them. We've started studying with them. Uh, we studied with them in person. We've studied with them, continue to study with them online as we went across places in Europe where we're encountering other Ukrainians. We've now invited them into those studies, and they are hearing the gospel. And so we see that uh, this is a great way to get our one, is to go on mission trips. A second great way is to start studying with people online. Start studying with people online. It is amazing now how we have the opportunity to do these studies all around the world. Before the pandemic, I used to have to tell people what Zoom was. Now you got people of all ages that are Zooming uh, with their grandkids, and uh, now you can also Zoom with your, your kids and with people in other countries. And we've seen God open incredible doors through this. So one of the places that we had gone before the pandemic was uh, to Kenya, and that was back in 2018. There we've encountered this great young leader named Joel Njue. He works with a ministry called Made in the Streets, which takes in street kids aged 12 to 14, keeps them until they graduate, gives them a place to stay, provides them food and shelter and spiritual care. Well, we, we met up with, with Joel, encountered him, and through that partnership that we developed with him, we started doing these online studies. And over this last year and a half, we have seen uh, some 85 or people come to faith in Jesus Christ, be baptized into Christ. Uh, about 60 plus of those are through these online studies and then through another 20 or so that were through uh, a mission trip, uh, mission uh, group leaders that were trained to go on a mission trip. And so this is just, again, God opening doors to share the gospel. And it's been people like you logging on and, and taking an hour each week uh, out of their time and schedule to share the gospel that has allowed this to happen along with in-person, on-the-ground follow-up studies there. And so we've seen God open doors in this kind of way. So, you know, we just we have all these studies going on all around the world. You can sign up for them. You want to be part of these Kenya studies? You can be a part of that. We just had 40 people sign up in Peru that they want to hear the gospel. So the question isn't, I, I could ask, okay, if someone said that they wanted to hear the gospel, would you share it with them? Okay, do you know that right now there are people signed up that say, I want to hear the gospel. I want to go through these studies. So if you have that in your heart, you can do that. See us, talk with us. We would be glad to get you involved in that. And then the third way to get your one is, of course, to share faith in person with those that God has placed all around us. 
My oldest daughter, Gina, uh, who's gone on many mission trips, served as part of our team, um, she is one that when she was in high school, she had uh, this essay that she read before the class. And in this essay, she incorporated God. She talked about how within each of us, there is this God-shaped hole in our hearts that only God can fill. Amazing. They let her share this and talk about this in school. So afterwards, this, this woman, this girl who's in her class, who's from India, came up to her and said to her, can you tell me more about this God that you were talking about? Now, having been to India, knowing that it's only about 3% Christian there, this woman undoubtedly is from another faith, another background. And so Gina began to talk with her a little bit about her faith and about Christ. And so she talked with her, and then she turned to leave. But then she said she felt just like prompting. And so she turned back around, and this girl was just still standing there in the hallway. And so she said, I tell you what, we're going to have like this service activity uh, that we're going to be doing in the neighborhood. Would you like to come and serve with us? And so this woman said yes. So she went with her, and they started doing this service activity. And Gina's asking her questions about uh, how long she had been there. She'd only been in the U.S. for six weeks, come from India, lonely, you know, and still learning the culture and everything. And so she asked her where she had moved to, and she said, well, in the South Riding, which is our neighborhood. And then she said to her, what street are you on? She said, she said well, I'm on Doolittle. And my daughter said, Doolittle? Doolittle Street? She said, Doolittle and what? She said, Doolittle and Unicorn. And Gina said, Doolittle and Unicorn? She said, that's our street. Do you know that she had moved in two doors down from us? And get this, my wife, Becky had prayed when the other people moved out that God would send someone our way that we could share the gospel with. And God was faithful to that prayer. He answered that prayer. And, you know, my daughter was able to invite this woman, uh, this, uh, her, her student, uh, fellow student, when she was in college, a couple of years later, she was able to invite her into one of these online studies, and she came and she started hearing the gospel. My friends, if we will be prayerful, if we will be intentional, if we will have our hearts and our eyes and our minds open, and if we will say and point out to people, look, here's the Messiah, or why don't you come and see? And we're praying God can use each of us to reach people for Jesus Christ. Imagine if every person here today, over this next year, reached one other person. I'm not good with math, but I think the church would double, right? And imagine if someone within that group caught fire and became a Peter and reached many, many more people for Jesus Christ. Do you believe that that can happen? I do. I've seen it happen time and time again. I've seen churches grow. I've seen people come to faith in Christ. And it begins with one person saying, I am going to take up this charge, and I'm going to invite someone else. And if each of us will do that, God will use us in powerful ways to reach the world for him. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to Christ, to the gospel, for your support for our work in ministry. It's a blessing and honor to be with you today. And if you have any need, then please let the leaders here know. And as we sing this next song, thank you.